They blow hot. They blow cold. They blow soft. They blow bold. When? Who doesn't like a nice breeze, a gorgeous zephyr, uh, well, I'm out of synonyms for nice winds. Thanks for nothing, thisars.com. But the bad ones, oy vey, they're bad. And in Southern California right now, we're going through some of the most notorious bad winds of them all, the Santa Anas. Move aside, spooky season, because the devil winds are coming for you. <laughs> I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Friday, October 28th, 2022. Today, we're talking winds. They calm, they annoy, they help us, and they destroy. It's like the most gaslighting nature phenomenon of them all, and they're becoming more and more gaslighting every year. Uh-oh. It's times like these that we turn to my colleagues of catastrophe, those prophets of peril, our own Marvel Cinematic Universe of environmental eternals or Avengers or Guardians or whatever. Yep, it's time for Masters of Disaster. Musica maestro. Sitting as always in the earthquake chair is Ron Lynn. And Ron, I heard just before this taping, you actually went through an earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Still getting uh, motion sickness from it. (laughs) No, I don't want earthquake season. We're already in spooky season. And speaking of spooky season, joining us is our Cassandra of the Coast, Rosanna Shaw. Uh, Rosanna, my uh, Halloween name is Ghoul Stabo. Ah, Rayon, no. What's your uh, Halloween name? Um, my Halloween name would have to be Roar Santa. Oh my God, I am petrified. And finally, our energy master, Sammy Roth. Sammy, was the Dodgers losing in the playoffs the greatest sports disaster of all time? (laughs) You know, all I have to say is it's less than four months till spring training, and I'm looking forward to next year as always. (laughs) Oh, what an optimist. Next time, wait till next year, right? Just like we said in Brooklyn back in the day. Yes, I am a ghoul from the past. Ron, let's start with you. Getting back to wins. For those of us non-Southern California people, although I am from Southern California, so I don't know why I just said that, <laughs> what are the Santa Ana winds and how are they formed? So Santa Anas are like these strong winds that affect Southern California every fall and winter and sometimes in the spring. And they're caused when high pressure hits the Great Basin. Think like the Four Corners area of like Nevada and Utah. And that high pressure pushes air toward, where else would you want to go? To the lower pressure along the beach. Isn't that just winds, though? Like, why do we make such a big deal out of them? I mean, the old timers used to call them the devil winds. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing about Southern California. There's like, we have this really long dry season, right? And the Santa Ana winds can start as early as October. And so there's always this race. Like, are the Santa Ana winds going to happen and then fuel these disastrous fires? Or are the rains going to come first? And what makes the Santa Ana winds so dangerous is that as the high pressure is sinking from the high desert, it's searching for a place to go. And as you know, there's lots of mountain ranges in Southern California. And so that air is searching for a way to get to the beach. It's going to get through those mountain passes. That's where the air gets compressed, dry, warm, and faster. Think like putting your finger on a garden hose. And so the winds get scary fast, like gusting like 50 to 100 miles per hour. They can topple big rigs. 
on freeways, they can carry hot embers, and they can make fires go lightning fast. Rosanna, how was your first experience with Santa Ana winds? Like, had you heard about them before you moved to Southern California? And when you saw them, were you like, eh, it's no big deal? Or you're like, oh, shoot. Well, two things. One was my allergies. I had no idea that's what caused my allergies to go crazy in September and October. And I think the first mega Santa Ana wind event when I first moved out here was just going outside and getting blown almost sideways, kind of a whoa. And then I saw a palm tree frond just on the ground. And I was like, thank God that didn't hit my car. Oh my God. Have you ever felt like trying to jump up and hoping that the wind blows you away? Or is that just me? That's definitely just you. Oh my God. Well, Rosanna, okay, fine. How bad do these winds get, especially since they tend to happen during fire season? Yeah. And it feels like a privilege to just complain about my allergies, but there was a huge study a few years ago that actually quantified this. Fires fueled by Santa Ana winds tend to spread three times faster than non-Santa Ana fires. And they tend to kill more people. And the economic damage is like 10 times greater than most non-Santa Ana fires. And the key thing here is non-Santa Ana fires tend to burn in more remote areas, like in national forests and more rugged wildlands. Santa Ana fires, on the other hand, tend to cluster in coastal areas as Ron said, and in the foothills, which obviously is where we've built all our major cities and neighborhoods. So yeah, these big wind-fueled fires would just descend from the mountains through those mountain passes and onto the coast where more residents and homes and critical infrastructure are at stake. And the other thing I'd say about Santa Ana winds and wildfires is that when a fire spreads more rapidly because of the wind power, the fire itself releases way more energy, which makes it even harder to put out. So Santa Anas don't just make these fires spread faster. They also make them more powerful. And isn't there like cousins to the Santa Ana winds up in where you're at, Ron? Like, and aren't they called in the Bay Area and aren't they called Diablo winds or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So basically in 1991, we had the Oakland Hills fire and the meteorologists up here, they couldn't stand calling them the Northern California version of Santa Ana winds. <laughs> so, so they call them Diablos. And it was a, it's a double entendre because it blows from the direction of Mount Diablo in the East Bay, and Diablo translates as the devil in Spanish. Y'all should call them the hella winds, you know, because that's more <laughs> Bay Area than Diablo, because you're just ripping off Sam, uh, Southern California. <laughs> Sammy, and this is what it gets me, though, about these Diablo winds, Santa Ana winds. Like, we know how crazy they get. We know that they come out during fire season. We know that they topple power lines, and, you know, those power lines then create fires and like earlier this month, large parts of Southern California were hit with Santa Ana winds in the afternoon, which led to these notices of potential power outages. So at what point are we going to learn like, OK, if there's going to be winds, maybe we should refigure how we get energy you know, to all of our homes? That's a good question. And I mean, there's more and more of a push as this stuff happens to think about burying power lines underground where they can't be knocked over by the wind or can't have trees blown into them and sparking these fires. Traditionally, it's been thought that undergrounding is much too expensive. It can cost a million dollars. I mean, it already costs a million dollars a mile to build a long distance transmission line and, and underground is even more expensive than that. And these are costs that are ultimately paid for by you and me, right? By customers of the electric utilities that are building these lines so that the argument in the past has been it's too expensive, we can't afford it. 
that conventional wisdom is changing because of this destruction we're seeing and we're realizing, wait, we're paying all of these other costs from fires and from preventive power outages that are really damaging to businesses and to people who have medical equipment that they need electricity to keep running. So the conventional wisdom is changing in Pacific Gas and Electric, which has been at the heart of a lot of this fires and preventive outages. They actually have a pretty dramatic plan now to bury a whole lot of power lines over the next 10 years. It's expensive. Are they going to be able to do it quickly? Are they going to be able to do it at the cost they're promising? Those are open questions, but that's kind of at the center of their strategy now for for how to prevent more of this stuff in the future. Do winds go underground? I haven't been down there to check, but let's, <laughs> let's assume not and hope that we're right. Let's hope that. We'll be right back. Okay, Masters, when the rest of the country thinks about winds, they don't think about our puny Santa Ana or Diablo. They're thinking hurricanes. And this year, Hurricane Ian was one of the worst ever. And this is not a joke, Sammy. Is there any way to harvest that extraordinary energy that hurricanes create and to make it into renewable energy? Gosh, I've heard a lot of uh, out there proposals for how to create renewable energy and harnessing the power of hurricanes is not one that has uh, that has been presented to me as yet. <laughs> when you look at what happened with Hurricane Ian, I mean, the winds here are quite destructive. I mean, it's the winds and the storm surge, but you had more than 2 million people in Florida without power after Ian came through. You had hundreds of thousands of people in Puerto Rico without power. After after Maria a couple of years ago in, in Puerto Rico, it took them a year to get the power back on to everyone on the island. And so when you look at these strong winds coming through and snapping power poles in half and throwing trees onto lines and onto transformers, I I don't really think that getting power out of that's going to be viable. It's more about how do you harden the system to at least prevent it from doing damage. Not that wind can't be useful as a power source elsewhere, as we know, but probably not the hurricane strength ones. All right, Elon Musk, there's another challenge for you. (laughs) Rosanna, in California, we have earthquakes, we have debris flows, debris flows instead of mudslides. We have fires, the Dodgers in the 2022 playoffs, (laughs) so many disasters. But we West Coasters, we don't have to worry about hurricanes, right? Right? Uh, Thank you for saying debris flow, not mudslides. You see, I learned too. I will make a cocktail out of vodka (laughs) and chocolate liqueur in your honor tonight. Yum. So, So hurricanes. (laughs) not to scare you, but a hurricane actually can hit California. Uh Uh-oh. It actually almost happened this year. So hurricanes feed off the tropical warm energy stored in the ocean. But usually by the time these storms make it to California, it hits the California current, which is cold, cold, cold. The current is literally like a hurricane repellent. But if the hurricane moves fast enough, And if the ocean surface temperatures just offshore get hot enough, which I should add has become increasingly more possible with climate change and our El Nino years getting worse Mm. and worse and worse. So when all these factors come together, then yes, a hurricane or tropical storm can indeed hit the California coast. And so this actually happened back in 1939. It literally was the perfect storm. It snuck past Catalina and slammed into Long Beach. The storm dumped like almost six inches of rain over downtown L.A., which is way more water than L.A. can handle. The wind just ripped up the coast and the flooding was awful. Almost 100 people died and people who were out on the water in their boats by Catalina just perished. You know, we forget this history, but yeah, like a hurricane 
actually hit California before. And the kicker to the story, I should add, is that this hurricane hit in late September. So the Santa Ana's also made things way, way worse. Oy vey. It's like wind upon wind upon wind. But wind is it always bad. I mean, I mentioned at the very top the nice slight breezes. And Sammy, you mentioned earlier, yes, we can harvest wind as renewable energy. So don't we want more winds and faster winds for our future? You want more winds and faster winds, yes. Again, not not hurricane strength, not probably. Uh, that That's probably not going to... I mean, those turbines are only rated to go up to a certain speed. But just uh, last week, the Biden administration announced it's going to host the first uh, offshore wind lease sale off the coast of California. So we've got a lot of turbines here on land. If you've ever driven from you know LA to Palm Springs or up through the Altamont Pass, I'm sure you've seen them. We don't have any off the coast. Um, and so for the first time, they're going to be auctioning off the right to build in federal waters, uh, you know, a whole bunch of miles, I think 20 miles offshore over this 500 square mile area. So probably in the next 10, 15 years, we're going to start seeing big floating turbines Mm. popping up off the coast of the northern and central parts of the state. Okay, so there's some positivity here with winds. This is one question that I know all of you can answer because all of you cover climate change one way or another. And earlier this year, when I noticed it was windy in SoCal in a way in time I've never remembered, I wondered in our super secret Masters of Disaster Slack channel if it was because of climate change. And our producer, Shannon, laughed at me. She laughed at me. Oh, the pain. (laughs) But then, Ron, God bless your soul, you backed me up with a link and then, like, just left it at that. But here we are talking about winds. So I win. But again, seriously, (laughs) as the climate changes, are we going to expect worse wind events? Like, is that happening already? So I, I've been thinking about this. And like, one thing that I keep on getting told by people is that Santa Ana's have been a thing here for like forever, right? But there are a couple ways climate change could make things worse. So like, for one, the dry years are getting drier. So that means the Santa Ana's will have more time to do damage before some kind of rain arrives. And it is true that the last winter has been pretty windy. Our colleague Paul Duginski explained it this way. There was a big mass of high pressure that kept SoCal pretty dry and windy and super warm this past winter. Now is that big block of high pressure that kept us dry and windy more likely to be there because of climate change? You could argue that could be the case. And to add to Ron's point, I think what I see a lot in kind of the climate change discussions is the idea of frequency. So you know, not only are things getting more extreme, but how frequently are they happening and is it is the frequency increasing? And I would say that there have been signs of high pressure systems like what Ron just mentioned, increasing in frequency and the connections to our changing climate should not be ignored. Sammy, you have the final word on this. Well, just to go back to hurricanes, I mean, this isn't a California problem quite as much. I'm learning here it is, as Rosanna said, but not quite as much. Climate change definitely increasing the intensity of uh, of hurricanes. Maybe not the number of them necessarily, but seeing stronger storm events over the eastern, southeastern part of the United States. That's bad, too. Yeah, and the ocean getting warmer in general in places that should not be warm at times of the year when it's not supposed to be hot. We'll be right back. And now comes our traditional ending to Masters of Disasters, where we ask our masters what's bringing them joy in these terrible, spooky times. Rosanna, let's start with you. What's bringing you joy this month? So I've been loving the Halloween vibes that have been out in full force this year. And in the spirit of Halloween, I've got another joke for you. Gustavo, what do you call a typo on a tombstone? Um, An epitaph. 
a grave mistake. Oh my God. That's like the most <laughs> obvious <laughs> joke in human history. And I messed that up because I was thinking about the Romans and the Greeks. I'm glad it brings you joy. It brought me a little bit of joy. Sammy, what's bringing you joy? Well, you mentioned the Marvel Cinematic Universe earlier, and today I watched the, uh, I think it was released by mistake, but saw the preview for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and uh, that brought me some joy. I think that's going to be good. Uh, what's uh, Groot going to be doing? Uh, repeating his name again and again, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I am Groot. Maybe one day he'll say, I am Grogu, like a Freudian slip. And Ron, what's bringing you joy? So I did undergo that earthquake today, just before taping. It may be nauseous, but the thing that I did get a lot of joy from after the fact was the fact that for the first time that I think the earthquake early warning system worked for me. So I got a, a notice on my phone a couple seconds saying that a, a magnitude 5.1 earthquake had occurred, you know, 50 miles away. And I was thinking, oh, it's probably another false alarm. And then a few seconds later, it hit. And it felt like a couple of toddlers, you know, jumping around a trampoline. But it did. How many toddlers are jumping on a trampoline for you? <laughs> jumping around on the car or whatever. But it did give me a sense that I actually, at least I knew what was happening. It did scare me that it felt like it was going to go on forever. It only lasted for about 10 seconds for me. But uh, it did give me a lot of joy that it worked. Only Ron can take joy in terrifying earthquakes. <laughs> Download the app. Download the app. There you go. And <laughs> that's it. For Masters of Disasters. Ron Lynn is the Earthquake Master. Rosanna Shaw is the Coast. And Sammy Roth on Energy Beat. Thank you all, my Masters. Thanks. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times, Essential News from the LA Times. Shannon Lane and Ashley Brown were the jefas on this episode. Kinsey Moreland edited it and Mike Heflin mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denis Guerra, Kasha Brasali, and David Toledo and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Roberto Reyes. Hey, that's a new name. That's really cool. What's up, Roberto? How's it going? Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmina Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba Urbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Ethan. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Monday with all the news in this madre. Gracias.